welcome. Welcome, my friends, to the Beggars and Brawlers podcast. This is episode number 16, recorded Tuesday, the 4th of May, 2021. So may the 4th be with you. And today I have a special treat for you, a talk with the inimitable Virginia McLean. Virginia McLean thinks dangling from the tops of 100-foot cliffs is a good time. She also enjoys hauling a 50-pound backpack all over the Grand Canyon and sleeping under the stars. Sometimes she likes running for miles through the desert, mountains, or wooded flatlands, and she always loves getting lost in new places where she may or may not speak the language. From surviving earthquakes in Japan to putting out a small forest fire in Montana, Virginia has been collecting stories from a very young age. She works hard to make her fiction as adventurous as her life, and her life as adventurous as her fiction. Both take a lot of imagination. She recently moved to Winnipeg with her husband, a Manitoba native, and their dog. What that bio doesn't say is Virginia also summons this amazing online conference from thin air every year, Quarren uh, Con, which you can find links to in the show notes and creates anthologies because she wants to. <laughs> like the one coming out later this year on grief and healing with a story from yours truly. Um, yeah, she seems like a force of nature in the indie fantasy community, at least in my part of that fantasy community. Uh, she also happens to be my SBFBO nemesis. <laughs> we were both finalists, and I swear we were neck and neck the entire way. Um, and we have all kinds of weird connections that uh, come out in the interview, so I won't bore you with them now. Um, in addition to all that, she's a talented cover designer and a mother, which we also talk about in the interview, and a fearless snow runner, which I have a lot of respect for. So we have a great conversation on writing non-European fantasy and why mothers are notably absent from fantasy and shouldn't be, as well as details on her upcoming book, which is awesome, and a special guest appearance, which I will say no more about. So without further ado, Virginia McLean. All right, friends, I'm here with Virginia McLean, the fearless author of The Chronicles of Gensokai. V, what's up? How are you doing? Uh, you know, living, <laughs> which honestly, after the last year is, is kind of a win. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Especially like, so you live in Winterpeg, so is it is there still snow on the ground? No, it's melting. Amazing. But it might, it's going to be minus four overnight Celsius. So only okay, like, okay. yeah, it's going to be just like 30, 28 20. degrees, something like that. Not, yeah. not super cold. So yeah. that's the bizarre thing about us that I feel like uh, our listeners should know is that we like keep trading places in life. Because <laughs> I live in Colorado. You used to live here. Yep. I'm from the slightly less frozen north of North Dakota. And you're in the same plains just across the political boundary. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm across the imaginary line. And we both lived in Japan, like in prefectures that were next to each other. Yeah. Which, so, okay. I know I was in Yamagata, but where were you? I was in Miyagi, Ken. You were in Miyagi? That's I amazing. was in Miyagi. I lived in Sendai. Wait, what year? Okay. I know we had this conversation. What years were you there? Okay. I'm going to date myself. I was there like 2004 is when I lived in Sendai and I was in Japan until 2008. But okay. I lived, I moved to Tokyo after a year or so. And then... Kanagawa. Nice. I became a city boy. I loved you, Sendai and Miyagi and Tohoku though. You left the year before I got there. Mm. I, I got there in 2009. I'm sure we had this conversation before back when I interviewed you for, for probably Korn, yes but I don't even remember because my memory is is garbage these days. I mean I don't either and the listeners don't so we're good. Definitely right yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. I would put a link to that one, but you asked so many embarrassing questions. So many embarrassing questions. (laughs) That's what I remember. That was my takeaway. And that I got really hot because I was in my semi-trailer and I drank a lot of caffeine. That you were definitely in your semi-trailer. That was very <laughs> memorable. Um, I did not. I'm sorry that I embarrassed you. I didn't mean. No, to. you didn't. You okay. didn't. I'm just being dramatic. Okay. I also <laughs> sent you the questions in advance, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Which, like, uh, to be fair, I feel like I thought of a lot more questions for you than I sent you yesterday or the day before. So. Well, that's fine. I read them, but I didn't like actually prep them. Even though I saw a couple, that I was like, "Oh, I should think about that." And now I've already forgotten what they were. But. Uh... <laughs> well well let me try to find those ones in particular yes just hone right in on that um so tell me about this book i assume by this book you mean the latest one that's coming out next week. yes very much so okay (laughs) um this next book is called cyro's claw cyro um it's yeah it's kind of hard to like string it into an english sentence and and really like properly pronounce it or not hard you sound pretentious if you're like making a long o yeah, exactly. Cytos claw. Because um, <laughs> I'm just going to bounce right into an English possessive and then an English word right after. Right. It makes you want to say like kuda instead of claw and then. Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the word for claw is. I'm not that good at Japanese. I totally looked it up ages ago because I was going to, I considered putting the entire title in Japanese um, and then skipped out on that because. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. It's set in uh, Japan, th- kind of. It's not set in Japan, but it's set in Gensokai, which is a, a fictional nation inspired by uh, feudal Japan. Um, and it is, so here's the deal. This is, it's a little bit odd. It, it's mm-hmm. timeline wise, the third book in the Chronicles of Gensokai. Mm-hmm. However, it is the first book in the Gensokai Kaigai subseries mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. there it is a, so it's kicking off a new series that's set in the same world uh brand new characters brand new plot and you need absolutely no familiarity with sorry, with the sorry blades edge or trader's hope in order to uh enjoy it awesome. um there there are some cameos and some history and stuff that will be more entertaining to you if you've read blades edge and trader's hope but that's just like a bonus it's not a not at all a requirement and um and the, the expectation is that there will be a lot of new readers starting on this book mm-hmm. who may or may not decide to go read the other ones. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I've read uh, Blade's Edge and not Trader's Hope. And mm. I started reading this one and got like pathetically not very far into it because my own book is supposed to be out two days ago. <laughs> it's not. Yay. Congrats <laughs> on the hot release. Thanks. Yeah. My sales going great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I really liked the chapter and a half I read. <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah <clears throat> but yeah uh, i think uh i think it's really interesting like the like the japanese inspired i was wondering how you're going to describe it because in blade's edge like i'm like i know where we are and i can picture this stuff but you're not like there's nothing historically recognizable and even like geographically recognizable nope yeah. it's not it's not based on the landmass of japan um and so and that and that's kind of the it's kind of the thing that that I want people to know because mm-hmm. um, I used to have a whole author's note explaining how it was in Japan. Right. Um, and then I sort of got reamed for having an author's note explaining that it was mm. in Japan. And, but the problem is, is that, you know, it's not, it's not historical fantasy. It absolutely isn't. Yeah. And the biggest thing that I want people to know about that is that Japan's history 
is very, very different from Gensokai's and actually not as misogynistic as this creating uh, yeah, Gensokai's history, which is like a huge portion of Blade's Edges. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it could be surprising if you know Japan's history, like, wait, more misogynistic than that? And then you read Blade's Edge and you're like, yes. 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 No spoilers, <laughs> but yes, there is some misogyny. <laughs> quite a lot of it yes. and yeah more than japan um and but interestingly like japan's misogyny slider um <laughs> like <laughs> in like feudally mm -hmm. japan was better than europe by oh. by leaps and bounds right so mm -hmm. feudal japan mm -hmm. gave so it was messed up for a lot of reasons right because any feudal system is messed up because we're, right. we're the, you know if your if your system is about peasants and people above peasants who get to do whatever they want to the peasants that's a huge it's hugely problematic for everyone regardless of gender but <laughs> um but in and so you know those those things were equally bad everywhere that had a feudal system but um but women who were in the ruling class had way more options mm -hmm. than than women in the ruling class in in a European feudal system, mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. And again, like there's you know Europe had a lot of different like microcosms of feudal feudalism, so it, it varied from place to place. But um, but so that's that's a thing that I like that in particular makes this a inspired by feudal mm -hmm. Japan, but not actually feudal Japan because yeah. actual feudal Japan wasn't this bad by any means i mean wasn't <laughs> that bad in terms of misogyny yeah. um and meanwhile there are other things in ginsokai that are you know just different like it, there's just a lot of it that's different i just i sort of like the way that a ton of fantasy books aren't actually about medieval europe yeah, <laughs> right totally like, but yeah. just you know but just do things take some bits and pieces to make it feel kind of like medieval europe and um and don't um but don't actually you know use history but just sort of give you that old timey feel i wanted to do that but take the old timey feel from not europe <laughs> totally um and that's with Gensoka in particular but uh the other thing is that like the world is not earth <laughs> mm -hmm. and that like without any major spoilers because i think it becomes pretty clear in the in in early on in this book um is 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 more readily apparent in cyro's claw mm -hmm. um and there are reasons that it was not apparent in blade's edge and traitor's hope so um yeah. <laughs> so for everyone who's hearing the little noises in the background we have a, a special guest tonight cedar <laughs> yep <laughs> my daughter has come up to uh to join me here i uh feel like her appearance is actually kind of appropriate because this book is about moms it totally is that's true um yeah and yeah. was that an intentional choice yeah i mean well yes I mean, it certainly was i mean the character that came to me that made me want to write this book mm -hmm. was there were two things that i really wanted to do i wanted a, a woman warrior who was a hardened fighter who'd been through a lot yeah and hadn't and was you know sort of like the jaded cynical 20 years into to fighting for a living mm -hmm. character that we don't often see as a woman right and wanted her to be a mom <laughs> mm. and and so that was that was the spark of this book just like mm. i think the very first scene i wrote 
for this book, which I originally thought was going to be the opening scene is now like 20, 25% into the book. <laughs> and, but it is one of, and it's one of the early scenes with this character. It's not the very first one with her though, but it was originally going to be like just the start of the book. And it's her in this like wicked battle, but like trying not to have her daughter get stabbed by the bad guys because <laughs> she has inadvertently brought her child into battle. Um, issues. Childcare issues. That is that is a that is a recurring theme in this book. Major childcare issues. Nanny couldn't come, so we're going to war, honey. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, almost like that. And actually, at the beginning, that was sort of my thought. Not like we're going to war with the kid, but but that like sort of bigger scope battles and stuff. Um, and as a separate idea, that this does not enter into this plot mm-hmm. at all. But but I had had this thought about writing a series that would be these little like sort of shorter adventures with a mom daughter like buddy combo Mm -hmm. and where the daughter is little but still really helpful in battle somehow (laughs) Um, and I think I've actually kind of got the setup for that with with these characters but that's not what this book is I mean this don't get me wrong Itachi the daughter has her has her uses um and is (laughs) and is very gung-ho to to be useful but but despite being three and a half <laughs> um but she yeah but this is not the book this is not a book where she's gonna like fight a bunch of battles as a three and a half year old which i think is problematic right like and that's not that was the yeah, thing that's a little young to get started <laughs> i ultimately i had a really hard time coming up with a legit reason where you would like be living a life where you were constantly fighting and and intentionally bringing your kid into into mm-hmm. battle and danger often right like mm-hmm. in in the case of this book it sort of happens by accident is like, what the book you're talking about um <laughs> <Cedar. No. laughs> i know it is <laughs> okay go ahead <laughs> well <laughs> here's cedar um well since i am four and a half year old and also, but I'm not real in the real world. Then I can act. Then I can actually fight. You can actually fight, yeah. Because, because they just pretend bad guys. Just pretend bad guys. So mm-hmm. I can actually. Yeah, actually fight pretend bad, bad guys. guys. Yeah. Yeah, you're That's a good to. idea. Yeah. <laughs> so. So um, I saw I saw your uh, Twitter post looking for like recommendations for other fantasy that involves moms and I felt like it was crickets for a little bit do you feel like on reflection that like moms are kind of underrepresented yeah I mean that was actually part of why I asked not Mm -hmm. because I was like oh I bet I'll get like 300 recommendations for for fantasy books that feature moms but rather there's got to be more than I was thinking of and in fact I'd forgotten one excellent example that I've read and enjoyed the heck out of which Mm -hmm. was the wolf of war and yarrow um, so even in the ones that I listed, I was missing some, yeah. but, um, but I was not expecting to get a ton of, of recommendations. Cause yeah, I think it is an underrepresented group. And I actually just wrote a blog post for, um, Elizabeth Tabler's before we go blog, um, mm-hmm. about how moms get sidelined in, mm-hmm. in fantasy and, <clears throat> and why that happens. And why it probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if you want to talk about a character who's invested and, like, has something to lose, like... Put a parent in, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that, I mean, it's true for either, you know, it's true, it's true for moms and dads. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it, it's not a, it doesn't have to be a, a mom thing specifically, Thank you but I do so. feel like we get a little <laughs> bit, we get, yeah, but we get, but we get a little bit more of dads as uh, in fantasy stories, right? We, we, it's still not super common, but it yeah. is more, we still get the, the hardened warrior who um, has finally settled down and then gets pulled back into war or battle or uh, on a mission or totally and a lot of times the family is like the absent motivation you know it's like i gotta get back to my kids or i gotta fight to protect my homeland yeah exactly yeah yeah and orphans are such a trope you know it's like let's just get rid of the parents which like (laughs) It's and so but. it is very convenient and that is i think why it happens right like i think it's done so often out of convenience rather than malice right it's not because people are like right. oh, i want you know i don't I want to write them off but it's like well, how do you you can't make if you're writing young adult main characters and mm-hmm. and i truly mean like you know even like 18 year olds 20 year olds doesn't really matter but yeah. you it's very difficult to put them on the path to heroism if their parents are still alive because <laughs> yeah. any parent that is like i mean if it were me if cedar is like 18 and is being asked to save the world i'm sorry but no i'm gonna be <laughs> either fighting beside her or keeping like doing my best to keep her out of it yeah, you know like bringing a helmet and raincoats I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not just gonna like let her <laughs> go off to fight whatever thing because she's the chosen one. I'm like, F that, I'm coming to, like, I have your back, you know? And then yeah. that doesn't, you know, if you if your whole thing is about a person finding themselves on their hero's journey, then that doesn't necessarily work out. So I get it. Yeah. I get what people, like, fridge parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and I've done it. Like, I, you know, like, Blade's Edge, both of yeah. those are orphans. I, I've, I've killed my fair share of In parents. <laughs> um, but... But yeah, but it, so it's, you know, it's nice enough with just like the parents are around, you know, yeah. and, and, and care about their, their kids is another nice thing that doesn't happen all that often. Like they're there, they're alive and they want to be helpful. So even just having like parents as a nice supporting role is rare enough. Yeah, totally. But, 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 but then why just the supporting role? Like what, what about having children makes you not the main character of your own story anymore. Mm-hmm. It makes and, you a story that we think people don't want to read. Well, right. I guess that's that's what the the, the preconception is. But I think that's because of the assumption that like you stop having adventures when you have yeah. children. Suddenly your biggest adventure is, you know, diaper changing and, and cleaning vomit off your clothes. Which um, is, it can be very adventurous. <laughs> it can be a challenge, uh, but it is. <laughs> But, I, but that's not to say that you can't have other adventures. Totally. Um, yeah. And I think maybe it's because my parents dragged us all over the world when I was mm, a kid. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And I'm super lucky. Like I can't even count the ways in which I'm fortunate for that. Yeah. Um, but it, it sort of certainly left me with the impression that you don't have to stop having adventures when you have children. That's not an inherent part of, of becoming a parent. But I do think society kind of makes those assumptions. And so, and especially then in our entertainment, um, yeah. I think that it is mm. often a choice we make to not follow those stories. Um, I also think that it's disproportionately pointed at women. Um, mm-hmm. That even if we allow 
men to still get called to adventure after they've had children. Mm-hmm. We don't really allow that with women in, in fantasy. Obviously, you know, we can try as a society to stop that. And I think women have been saying F you to that for a really long time, but, mm-hmm. um, but it, you know, it doesn't get represented in media as much. Um, I wanted to say that, like, I feel like also there's a societal style of parenting that, uh, at least in the U.S., like, sort of encourages not to have adventures. Like, you have to watch your kid at all times. Nobody's going to help. You can't leave. Right. We put an enormous amount of the value of a woman as a person mm-hmm. on her ability to make a family. Right. right. It doesn't have to be procreation, adoption, just caring for uh, uh, other people. Mm-hmm. But we we put a huge amount of that on um on women and therefore when a woman has finally done that when she has procreated in some form mm-hmm. or, or made a family group her story is done because that is the pinnacle of her yeah. existence and that i think is a big part of the difference in the way we treat a woman parent versus a, a, a man parent mm-hmm. like you know a mom versus a dad in terms of representation in media a dad can still have an adventure because a dad is still is a person who inherently has their own story and yeah. and, and and deserves that arc, and a mom doesn't because what more could she want than to have created a family? Right, and and she's fulfilled her biggest purpose. Right, and there's just so many things that are icky about that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and so it's you know it's hard to even know where to start on that front. Mm-hmm. But, well, you start by writing a book that's different. Well, y- sure. I mean, or you, or you, you sort of culminate with that. I mean, like for a long time, I just pushed back on the idea that I wanted to have a kid at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, so personally, there were a lot of different ways that I dealt with it. But the other thing is, is that, so it just, it does two things. It devalues humans who have decided to have families. And it also devalues people who've decided not to. And you're just yeah, like, this is right. sort of a, horrible <laughs> yeah like let's just on stop like simplifying women into reproductive ability right um but the idea that like a woman's story is done because she's finally got a family is just weird and awful i personally continue to be the main character in my own story even though this little one is four and a half years old um you created a new main character hmm? you created a new main character but you're both i created characters. a new main character that's right um, and I, you know, part of my, part of my, part of my story now is to help her tell hers, but, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not the only part. <laughs> I totally. still, you know, Thank like, God. I right? mean, in the, in the introduction where I like, uh, praised you to death, <laughs> which I haven't recorded yet. Uh, we all know all the things that you're doing. We, uh, in the, in the finalist group that's still around from the Spiffo five, we're all basically standing in awe of Virginia because like. I'm just going to make a con happen out of nothing and like, let's do an anthology over here. And yeah, here's another book. And yeah, I went running in the blizzard and figured out all my life's problems while I did it. (laughs) All my books problems. I don't figure out my life's problems problems while I'm running. (laughs) I wish I could. Um, (laughs) That was our conversation beforehand is how, yeah, she can't (laughs) listen to audiobooks because when she runs, she just automatically processes her own books. And I said that it was a superpower. It feels like a superpower, but I really, I mean, it's also, it's I'm running, running for me is sort of, it's not a superpower, but it is like the thing that fixes me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, my brain, my brain works better in every possible way after I've gone or, or while I'm going for a run. Um, and when I'm running frequently. Um, 
So that is absolutely um, a thing for me. But uh, yeah, I also think y'all overestimate how much I actually accomplish at any given time. <laughs> I feel On like the outside, it looks most quite people amazing. are great. Well, the facade is working perfectly then, <laughs> but uh, don't look behind the curtain. <laughs> uh, um, so, but uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so women continue to have their own stories even after they become parents. And that is a thing that I think is worth exploring. And so yeah. I finally wrote a book that is all about moms and, mm-hmm. and children. It's not just about a mom, it's about a mom and, a, and her mother and, and, uh, and the granddaughter. And then like, so it spans a couple generations <clears throat> and it's not just about one mom because mm-hmm. um, Torako is, is married to Raku. So they're, they're both moms mm-hmm. and it's, um, and they have different, experiences as parents and um and it's also about I mean like now yeah I I can't there are too many different familial relationships to to outline that may or may not be spoilers and so I don't even want to get into all the the different things but it's it, it was fun for me to write a character who is a warrior and a mom and the hero of the story um that was really fun. <laughs> I enjoyed the heck out of it. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed so many things about this book. It's mm. kind of silly. I always enjoy what I'm writing to some degree, but to enjoy it so much that I really like loved doing the rewrite is a next level for me. And that this is the first time that's happened, but I loved, I loved rewriting this book. And okay. I basically rewrote every single word of it. <laughs> I know. I found that insane when you told this, I was like, I could never do that. You, yeah, you but you actually cut things then, out. <laughs> well, yes, but like you wrote the book, you deleted yeah. the book and wrote it again, right? <laughs> I didn't delete it because I never delete anything. Mm-hmm. And this is my favorite thing about Scrivener. I I I wrote the book, I put it in its own folder right a, right below the new draft, and then I basically wrote each scene from scratch. That is crazy. And <laughs> yeah, to enjoy that is extra crazy. That's another superpower. I Cannot. I don't I can't call it a superpower because I have no notion that this is a consistent thing it mm-hmm. happened this time it's so weird uh, how like some books will just like have their own process yeah you know like something about the story or where you're at in life yeah I don't know yeah or the or which story you choose to tell when I mean for this one I just haven't lost enthusiasm yet mm-hmm. although I will say as I start to to read it aloud for the for this proofread mm-hmm. I, I've actually been afraid to start reading it because I'm worried I'm gonna hate it <laughs> mm. I don't think I'm gonna hate it but I'm yeah. afraid I am I'm actually afraid I was like I don't want to start reading this what if I what if I realize it sucks like right now I'm oh, in God. this haze of like I love the rewrite so it must be a good <laughs> book right what if I what if in reading it aloud I'm like oh this is actually terrible <laughs> oh man and it's like yeah so we were talking beforehand about how I just finished uh, narrating the audiobook for my book that's coming out and it's the same situation of like I thought the book was really good and it is good you should all buy it but <laughs> um, at a certain point I was like oh no there's one too many fight scenes or this fight scene's a little too long there's a lot of fighting in this book and I'm like and I feel like there are cartoonists or like as soon as I like ink it or as soon as I like put the color on, it's never changing. And that's how I feel about like narration for audiobooks. Like once right. I have spoken the words out loud and recorded them in like a public fashion, we're all done. Yeah. So I had some of that fear and some of it played out. Yeah, that's, that is fair. And it's, uh, I do agree that once you've done the audiobook, you're really, 
that pretty much solidifies it because audiobook edits are no fun. And, yeah, totally. And they need to be they need to be the same version. And my daughter is pushing a bunch of buttons on a phone and saying the numbers aloud. <laughs> as long as it's not the computer, because things could get crazy. Okay. Using <laughs> to record. I was going to ask about um, so like the like speaking of the adventure potential of mother and daughter in this book, do you feel like like what where are you going from here? Is there going to be more chronicles? Uh, yeah, so this book is, like I said, it kicks off a new subseries, mm-hmm. and it there's at least one more book mm-hmm. for this, for the big plot that this sort of kicks off, which really sort of happens on the shoulders, like, at mm-hmm. the early part of the book and the late part of the book, we see the things that are yeah. sort of the kickoff to this, to not this book, right? Nice. Um, whereas <clears throat> the majority of this plot just, like, happens and is self-contained. Um, so while I very much hope that people will want to pick up the next book um, right at the end of this one, because there is sort of a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger on the epilogue, right? Like the whole book, like the plot wraps, right? Uh-huh. And it Feel satisfied. And you're like, yeah, great. That was a great ending, I hope, right? Like if I've done it well, like, yeah, solid ending. And then it's like, and oh, yes. but then this happened. And then you're like, oh, crap like I need to know what happens next I hope right that's the if people are invested in the characters they're gonna be like what you can't leave it there um <laughs> I feel like cliffhanger in the epilogue is is classy because like you know it was an epilogue you didn't have to read it I like so the uh series the other series that I have the empire of resonance there's four books there should be five and mm. I think I'm literally just going to delete the last chapter when my publisher puts out the last one because if the epilogue isn't there, you have all the warm fuzzies and you're like, it's okay. all good. And then <laughs> epilogue is like, there definitely has to be a book five. So I, I might like put it in. I'm like, if you'd like to torture yourself, email me and I will send you the actual final chapter of this book. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I want like the like the angry letters that I'll get if I leave it there and don't write book five. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Don't do that. If you don't, if you don't think you want to write it, then don't do that. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. There's so many things to write. There are so there are too many ideas. It's so hard. I'm actually really glad that this idea fit in Gensokai mm-hmm. and worked well for it because I love writing in Gensokai. Yeah, and especially now that we've moved past the really depressing part. <laughs> like, All the misogyny. All the misogyny, so much misogyny, <laughs> so much really awful, terrible, oppressive misogyny. Yeah. Um, you know, and not that let that's like everyone should know that that's not an instant fix. And part of the reason that it's a duology is not because everything was miraculously fine at the end right. of the, the first challenge. But um, but now this book starts seven years after the end of the second book. And even that is not enough mm. to cure, you know, right. centuries of, of of big problems. However, um, there are a lot of, I like this, it's a little bit spoilery to talk about it too much. There's, there, there are some directions that this book takes that, that move us very quickly, um, away from that sort of darker history. And so it's letting me play in, it's letting me still play in Gensokai and then also play with, uh, a place that's not as sad that <laughs> <laughs> is not as sad not as dark and so so I think that's part of why I really enjoyed this mm. it, it had a lot of the elements that I love playing with but 
wasn't mired in this really depressing uh, oppressive government. And and so like the, you know, things are looking up societally, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and, and so that made it a lot more fun to write. And so then it was, it felt more just, yeah, it felt easier to have this sort of laid back and it's not really laid back. Like there's some, there's some stuff happening, right? But yeah. like, but just like the banter between people and stuff and the, the, there's a little bit of lightheartedness to this mm-hmm. book that is not present in Blades Edge Trader's Home. <laughs> right. I was getting that impression even reading the beginning of it. And I was like, has the slider moved? Like, I don't think that the first book uh, or my impression of the first two is like, you were not full grimdark, but like, Misogyny, etc. It was fairly grim. <laughs> you feel like you've slid a little bit more towards like not lightheartedness, but action adventure romp is more yeah. romp tone. is such yeah. a good word. Action adventure romp is is way more the tone of this nice. of this book, and yeah. and I'm glad. I think yeah. that's why I enjoyed writing it and rewriting it. So I'm mean, like, I don't think I could have written Blades Edge Traders Hope in 2020 without mm-hmm. you know, like I just. It was, yeah. there was too much of that already happening. Totally. <laughs> um, reality was far too close <laughs> uh, to, to that dystopia. And so I, yeah, I would not have, I would not have been able, I mean, I'm like some people get inspired by that and can write the thing that's going on. I did not, that was not my, not my way of reacting. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a double dose instead of spicing up life with something a little different. I mean, right. instead of I an like- escape. Yeah, I'm trying to think if the books that I've written in the last while were dark. Yeah, I might. I think I might have double dosed it personally. <laughs> I was like, you know what, the world is dark, and my character's got a lot of problems. But now nah, there's some banter too. I mean, there can be catharsis in that too, right? It's just it's so, not where my head was, and yeah. it was not what I needed to do. Was play and have mm-hmm. more fun and and write the grumpy wolf spirit of my heart <laughs> um, and yeah and write characters who are sarcastic to each other but love each yeah. other a lot you know just like I just yeah. need I needed I needed to write those people um and so this is the thing right like I loved this book so much I loved writing the first draft and I loved doing the rewrite and I didn't like, I even still loved it while I was doing my editing pass after my editor got through Impressive. with it. I was going in and doing, yeah, right. Like I still went in and I was fixing stuff, but I get distracted reading the book and I would be like, oh, that's oh, awesome. that was, I need to stop. Wait, I've got to like focus. I'm yeah. trying to do two edits. And instead I'm like, and then reading the, you know, and so that was great. I love it. And I love that I loved it so much, but I don't, and part of me is like, I loved it so much. Must shouldn't that mean that it's like a really good book? And part of me is like, well, sort of. But I think actually, what it just means is it was the book I really needed to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that readers enjoy it on even a portion of the level that I enjoyed it yeah. on. But like, but I don't think that it's you know like gonna win a bunch of awards or anything necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just it's. I think it's a, I think it's a good version of a fun fantasy adventure action adventure romp like you know like I think yeah. it's pretty solid I like I love what I've done with it I love writing it but I don't think that that inherently makes it like an amazing my, like mind-blowing book I think it just makes it yeah the book that I really needed to write so yeah but I feel like that book that you needed to write like is going to be so much better than the one that you felt like you had to write and wrote you know like the passion and enjoyment is going to come through 
I hope so. I hope so. And I've gotten one review so far that was very enthusiastic awesome. from a new reader who's never read any of my stuff. Cool. Um, yeah. And so that's really fun. Um, and he loved it. And he got a lot of the stuff I was trying to do with it too. Like he he did a booktube review of it and I watched it and, and and he clearly like, you know, got some of the things that I was shooting for. And so I did, I had a few like, yay, like awesome. while he was talking about it. Um, so yeah, I, 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 that's hopeful, right? Because that's not, you know, not a friend of mine and it's not yeah. a person who's read a bunch of my stuff. You should, uh, you should send me the link and I'll put it in the show notes if people want to check sure, it out. Sure, yeah. Yeah, if anybody wants yep. to check it out. Raul Reads. Um, and uh, I actually, I've started watching his other YouTube videos and he's, I like his, I like his channel. He's very enthusiastic. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but, but yeah, so that's like, I'm like, okay, great. That's a good start. Hopefully more people take it that way um, yeah. and enjoy it for those reasons. But <clears throat> you just never you know. know. I mean, you never know. You never know. And I'm not and then... good at marketing and to make something explode. So, yeah, um, yeah we'll see. You know, the, the best thing about having enjoyed writing it so much is that if nobody likes it, yeah. Right. As opposed to like writing like the bully romance that you felt like would sell and then it doesn't and you didn't even like doing it. Right. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed the heck out of writing it. So I'm, and, and I learned a bunch of stuff writing it too. So it's just like, there's no loss. Like I, you know, yeah. um, luckily since, since I did my own cover um, and my editor lets me pay her in installments. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, yeah, like there's no, if nobody buys it, I will be sad because I wrote a book that I loved and nobody else won't, liked it, but I won't be heartbroken and it won't end my career or anything so um but i hope people like it i love it i'm gonna read the rest of it i mean it wasn't just prep for the interview so i'll tell you the truth (laughs) yes please that is the thing though like i i do worry about you know my friends reading it and being like oh it was great and being like yeah but you're you're gonna say that because you're my friend so it's so the random reviews that matter like the people who have absolutely no reason to say they like it saying they liked it uh i love my friends and family i'm like what do you say about my book like it just i have to ignore it i'm sorry but you like me so you're gonna find something like you know so where can people find you and all the good things that you do in this book other than the link who knows uh, well, the good, the good news is this release is wide and you can find it through uh, a UBL that's very easy to remember because awesome. it is uh, bookstoread.com slash Cyro's Claw. So that's handy. That's and um, you can find me at virginiamcclain.com or virginiamcclain.ca. Uh, and you can also find a bunch of additional information about all my books there. So for anyone who would like to read the first two books in the series, uh, I can't currently discount Blade's Edge uh, for reasons that are not interesting to anyone listening, but <clears throat> uh, Trader's Hope will be 99 cents for um, from May 3rd to May 10th, and uh, Blade's Edge is only $4.99. So if anyone feels like picking up the entire set, uh, again, no reason to read those first two in order to enjoy Cyro's Claw. You can just jump in right at Cyro's Claw, but mm-hmm. should you feel like you want those other books they will be discounted uh, or Trader's Hope will be discounted so much that you'd be spending you six the whole thing for like 10 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, there's that. Cool. And I'm going to put those links in the show notes. So all you lazy, lazy listeners, just look at the show notes and click. 
You're not Yay. making a of you. Um, and for those who like audiobooks, Blade's Edge does exist as an audiobook. Traders of Hope and Cyrus Claw will both be coming out as audiobooks later this year. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, thanks for coming on. Thanks, thanks for having to me. Cedar for being our extra special guest in a very timely fashion as we were <laughs> talking about moms. Extra special guests. Yeah, very timely. But um, <laughs> Already having adventures as a podcaster at four years old. <laughs> She's always ahead of her time. <laughs> All right, friend. Well, it was good to talk. It was great to, to talk to you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate you taking the time and letting me ramble on a lot. I swear I'm more efficient in my writing, people. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thanks so much, Leva. Take care. Totally. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that. I realized afterwards that my voice sounds very tinny and small, but I am not the focus in that one. Uh, Virginia is a dear friend, in addition to being my SBFBO nemesis. Um, and having gotten a few more chapters into Cyro's Claw than when we talked, I can confirm it's worth a read. <laughs> so you can find all those links to her books and socials in the show notes. And I'll see you next episode for another preview of Witch of Wealth and Ruin. For more information on Levi Jacobs and his books, including the award-winning Tide Collar Chronicles, please visit www.levijacobs.com. Or for a free audiobook, only available to podcast listeners, go to www.levijacobs.com/free. Thanks for listening, and read on. <laughs>